Hello, and welcome to OPG Inspire. My name is Robert P. Roach, your host bringing you the latest in organizational development, strategic planning, and the tools you need to make a better world. Today, I had the opportunity to sit down with Executive Director David Rich and Deputy Director Kathy Hunter of Supportive Housing Works, an organization whose mission is to end homelessness in Fairfield County, Connecticut by the year 2020. Uh, Our conversation covered some amazing topics. We discovered uh, what it takes to end homelessness, the uh, SHU's unique approach to using resources they have rather than requiring more to make a real difference. We discussed uh, the true power of using data to create social change and how that data can tip the scales in the fight for social services like Medicaid. If you listened to our last episode, you may remember some of the qualities that create an abundant leader, Uh, things like knowing that many possibilities exist, uh, maintaining open and trusting relationships with your teams, acting as if the resources we have are truly sufficient to make positive change. You'll find that uh, David and Kathy embody many of these qualities and bring a fresh perspective to what an innovative leader can do. With that, I hope you enjoy the show. So we can get started. Uh, I wanted to begin by telling our listeners a little bit about the support of Housing Works and the work that's being done in Fairfield County. Uh, what is something that sets SHW apart from other organizations similar in the area or across the United States um, in your guys' eyes? I might give that over to Kathy. <laughs> oh. Well, I would, I would first say, because I know David won't say this, the, the, the first thing is um, having a, a leader that's truly a, a champion of the the mission of ending homelessness, and I think that is is the critical part. Um, you know, we we follow, and I'm sure we'll get into this later. We follow a collective impact model, but I think a critical component of um, the collective impact model is having an influential leader who's able to really galvanize the other executive directors um, throughout Fairfield County to. Um, to engage them and to sustain the efforts that we're working on. Mm-hmm. And also, he's just amazing at um, pissing off people, which is a way of really making changes. Mm. And that's one thing that's that's uh, I find really unique, the way he's able to drive the changes that we've been able to do and really just challenge the status quo. Shaking um, the cage a little bit and just like... <laughs> yeah, I'm shaking the cage a lot. And... Um, you know, when I when I think about the the changes that we've had made over the past, you know, you know, eight, five, eight years together. Um, well, I, I've been here for eight years, but the last five years we've really, really, I think, revolutionized the homeless delivery system in, in Fairfield County, and um, much of this is attributed to you know having a champion that's going to um, go there and lead the charge. Mm-hmm. And this program. SHW is that now you have another program called the Open Doors program, and that's something that was started by you, David. Is that correct originally, or yeah? Let me go back and give just a little little history. And uh, sure, I, I think I, many organizations are. I think they're good organizations, like that. They're learning organizations. What we were ten years ago is a far cry from what we are today. So I think uh, one of the our best traits is we, we keep pushing hard, uh, keep learning what works, what are best practices. Uh, uh, we're one who are relentless in trying to beg, borrow, steal ideas from across the country and across across 
the, the, the world mm -hmm. and uh, 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 thinking that, yeah, we can come up with some good ideas here, but a lot of them are already out there. Let's mm -hmm. take the best. Let's take things that seem that, that might be applicable and work, work here and bring them, bring them here. There's a great conference that uh, actually a whole bunch of us are going to in, in two weeks down in, in, uh, in D.C., the National Alliance and Homelessness, their national national conference. I feel like a little kid for years in a, in a, in a, in a, in a toy store. They wow. are just taking taking ideas now. Uh, we've learned a lot, and uh, I think now we're sort of, or we are on the uh, on the on the cutting edge. But it is that idea of just continuing to learn. When we started, I was hired to build ourselves out of uh, out of chronic homelessness here in Fairfield County. That meant building two thousand units of permanent supportive housing. That was best practice. That was what was always cutting edge back ten years ago. Looking back at it, it was absurd that we would actually build. Uh, 10,000 or 2,000 units here, 10,000 units throughout the state mm -hmm. uh, uh, to, um, uh, to be able to end, end chronic, uh, chronic homeless. That would have taken billions of dollars. There's just no way that there were even close to that resembling that. And the idea that we as nonprofits needed to build all these, these, uh, these units and that, that we do God's work so we need to do this all our own. Mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of laughable now as we, we, we look back. But that's, that's what I was created, created to do uh, when Supportive Housing Work started, started 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But it's learning, it's taking best practice, and what we have done is morphed from uh, uh, a, an organization that was a collaboration of four agencies, mm -hmm. uh, four large shelters in this region, to now being the backbone uh, supporting organization for over 125 agencies throughout uh, throughout Fairfield County. Mm -hmm. Ours is a relentless drive to, and from the very beginning, what what has become our singular mission is to end homelessness, starting with chronic, uh, then looking at uh, chronic and veterans, and then family family and youth by by 2020. So what we're about is whatever it takes to get this uh, uh, this job done from a system wide approach. Sure, we need more money. But there's a lot of money out there, and it's a relentless drive to use that money as a system better than before. We're not there to compete with the agencies, the other, the shelters, the affordable housing uh, developers, those that provide the services. Our idea is to bring them all together, facilitate that, driven by data, driven by the resources we currently have, how we can allocate those far more effectively, not just a little bit, far more effectively to actually get the job done mm -hmm. of ending, ending all forms of, of homelessness. So I want to go back just just for a quick definition. When you say chronic homelessness, could you explain, you know, for our listeners what that would mean? Uh, well, chronic homeless are people that have been homeless for a long period of time. So I think it's defined by um, being homeless for a continuous year or uh, three times in the last four years. Um, so it's just, you know, there's certain HUD parameters they put on, mm -hmm. on chronic homelessness. Mm -hmm. And also having some uh, a severe mental illness mm -hmm. to it, so it's not just homeless. These are, these are the, the most vulnerable, those that will literally will die if they're left on the streets, or sort of the character of, of, of the homeless, the ones mm -hmm. that are on the, on the streets or have been in shelters for, as Kathy says, for over, over uh, a year and have an underlying severe mental uh, health condition mm -hmm. also. Uh, and what we do now is before we didn't any way triage or differentiate between the homeless. We provided all of them the same services and put them on a long wait list because we didn't have the resources. Now it's doing a far better job of assessing what the needs are and only providing our 
highest cost services mm -hmm. and resources, which is the permanent supportive housing, to those that are most vulnerable and need it the most, the, the chronic. And that's why it's been a big push of ours for almost 10 years now to first end uh, have chronic homelessness, figure out who those folks are, what their needs are, and deliver those resources. A lot of the other homeless, they do need a helping hand, but they don't need permanent housing. They don't need permanent case management or, or permanent um, uh, other mental health uh, mm -hmm. uh, treatment. They just might need one or two or three months to get back on their, on their feet. And we never did this before to really to differentiate between the needs of the different homeless. And that's how we can far better utilize the resources that we have to give people, not the, everyone the maximum amount, but really the minimum they need to really get it back on their, on their feet. And if that, they stumble then, we'll give them a little more uh, funding and, uh, and, and, and resources so that they actually can attain. Most people we're finding are, they're self-resilient. They're self they, they, they can figure this out. They've, they've uh, uh, either lost their job or had a very costly medical, uh, medical expenses or a breakup in the family. There are multiple reasons. And uh, they just need some time to get back, back on their feet. They're not needed to be coddled and supported for, uh, for decades or generations. Interesting. So I, just speaking from personal experience, and I could probably speak for a lot of people, when you think about you know, the fight to end homelessness, uh, the big issue in my mind would have been resources. Do we have enough money? Do we have enough people? Uh, do we have enough? Are we building enough you know, homes for, these, for people who are homeless? You know, it sounds so literal. But it sounds to me that the model has been rapidly changing over the last five or eight or 10 years or something like that. Um, is it about how much resources you have or is it more about the way that you're using the resources that we have now and, uh, and how we're utilizing them? And then if those expand, then we can expand that model or something like that. Absolutely. In the past, it was just waiting for more resources. And uh, we wouldn't look at all the resources we currently had. If we're going to do anything new, it would be waiting for new state or federal resources or maybe foundations. Mm -hmm. That's totally turned on its head right now. It's really looking at the resources that we currently have, what we can do better. For example, as a, a county, we get about $11 million of federal money throughout our entire system. I was looking at this last year, how do we squeeze a million dollars out of that by keeping the continue the exact same services for everyone they had, but doing it now instead of for eleven, doing it for ten million, mm. so that we have that additional million dollars to be able to support other chronic homeless in, in, in the system. Now that being said, having more resources, I'm not saying that's not important, it is, but that's not where we start. Mm -hmm. The premise is how do we uh, how do we end homelessness looking at all our assets, if it can be new assets or existing existing assets. And really flipping, we're not just here waiting for money. It's that drive to end homelessness. And I said it first with veteran, which we ended uh, about a year and a half ago mm -hmm. uh, here in Connecticut. Now the relentless pursuit of ending chronic homelessness uh, by the end of this year, which we're on the cusp of doing. And then really pivoting to family and youth by, by 2020, 2020. So it's whatever it takes. And, it's, uh, and yes, I'm not saying new money is important because we do need more money in certain areas, but it's also the way to help incentivize change. Of course. And uh, if you can, if you can uh, uh, provide that money in certain areas where you want the system to, to move, mm -hmm. that's, that's very helpful. Not all our money is flexible enough where we can do just what we want to do with it at, at the moment. But uh, we're, getting, we're getting there, and that's, that's yeah. the excitement. And it's, it's, uh, 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 so much of this is, which we never did before as a state or a county, is really use data 
and uh, uh, at every every level, to, uh, and that's where decisions are made. Looking at the data, looking at the cost effectiveness of our system, where we have the homeless, who's treating them, how effective. Uh, and we, we just we, it was anecdotal before, mm-hmm. and it's only been in the last year, year and a half, that actually, which is, uh, it's, uh, I, 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 it's sort of in some ways disturbing to say that 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 data really has informed our decisions as, as a system. Absolutely, and it's so interesting because uh, I've been learning a lot about how the use of data has empowered us to create change in the way that our police forces are behaving around you know, the populations that they work for. And uh, it, I have no doubt that greater amounts of data in this kind of situation would give even you know, our, our lawmakers, our, um, our donors kind of more informed decisions on how they can help their communities, especially when it comes to something like it's as important as homelessness. It affects all of us, whether you're walking out of your house <laughs> you know, and you're walking down the street and you're seeing who's on, sitting on your street. Now, uh, David, your experience includes creating a lot of market-based solutions to alleviate poverty from all over the world. Uh, you've been doing this for a very long time. Um, what was that work? You know, why did this mission become central to your life's work? And uh, what brought you to here, to Fairfield County, to eventually be where you are now? It's a good question. I, I mean, I, I, I really the simple, and I, probably probably the, the most honest is just I have two very influential people in my life, which my grandparents. One was a very radical uh, Quaker. And the other, uh, a minister. Uh, Quaker Christian, as well. <laughs> uh, 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 Presbyterian minister who went south in the 30s to work on social justice before um, it even became a, a movement um, uh, in, in, in the south. And that's, that's where I think I got my, uh, my influence. So I, I always knew it was going to be in the nonprofit uh, uh, profit sector and, and wanting to work on real big, big change. I, I can't say that. Graduating from college, I knew exactly what I want to do, but it was going to be the nonprofit and to shake, to shake things up. For uh, and think that a, a very powerful way of doing that is through the nonprofit sector, but using market forces and just thinking that agencies on their own providing services, they're great and does wonderful work. But if you're really going to affect long-term sustainable change at a large level, using markets. Mm-hmm. It's a very powerful, powerful way to to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, either whether it's working with inner city kids and kids out of jail, and back then we called it welfare mothers in 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 New Haven in the seventies and and eighties by creating uh, companies. And the only difference was those companies were owned and managed by uh, by high school dropouts and kids out of prison and and, and women. And uh, so trying to create the markets there as as as, as a business model. It, to Central America, we're using the the budding or the emerging ecotourism market as a way to funnel that money into the hands of, of, of women with bed and breakfast and tourist operations in very poor areas of Guatemala and 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 Belize. To um, uh, in in India. Are really treating the farmer as a customer and creating a whole, uh, providing them with very appropriate water-based tools so they could control water with that water, have access to uh, 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 to being able to go beyond cash uh, their their normal subsistence crops to cash crops where they could double, triple, quadruple their income uh, by having uh, access to water which they never had, even though it was twenty feet below them. Wow. Uh, in, in the ground, uh, but treating them as a customer. So it's coming up with products that only cost two or three dollars, but then creating the whole manufacturing distribution channel, retail channel to uh, provide these uh, uh, these products to farmers uh, at a price with a margin, so everyone can make money off this instead of having the old system, the socialist system. There was to give these things away, which never worked, and they they broke broke uh, broke down. 
Uh, and uh, so it was always using market, but using building a uh, a nonprofit organization as the uh, uh, as the bedrock for this market based change. So for years it was building those organizations, and then which I'm good at. When I'm not good at managing organizations, I just get bored. So I would do that for three to four years and move off and do that again. Uh, when I joined here, that was exactly what I signed up for with uh, the folks I was hired with. I would be here for three years. Mm-hmm. And that was 10 years ago. <laughs> uh, still here. It's funny how that works. The difference here is we're not building an organization. We keep supportive housing lean. Uh, less than a dozen, usually less than 10, 10 folks. Our job here is not, and I feel are here collectively. It's uh, and uh, is to uh, uh, is to cr- create the uh, the the energy, the facilitation, the uh, uh, the technical support, but not to provide services. That's mm-hmm. done with our wonderful, wonderful partners, who are the uh, homeless uh, uh, shelters in the area, the homeless service providers, the housing providers in this area. Mm-hmm. So when we say we do backbone work, that doesn't mean we do the work. We're here to bring people together and bring that whole system. So there are a lot of dotted lines uh, uh, within uh, within the system. So we need nimble, uh, very nimble, and most of them, well, they're not all young. They're all young in heart, though. A <laughs> uh, 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 staff, staff here uh, that will be able to deal with complexity, deal with a lot of grayness, deal with having very little absolute control, but mm-hmm. having the influence. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and this system it keeps evolving and keeps changing. So um, I've, I've, uh, this, is, this has certainly kept me here, kept my passion for Absolutely. Now, now a whole decade. Mm-hmm. And Kathy, we were speaking before um, when I first came in about how the work that the employees do here at SHW is really mission-driven. They come in, they have the mission in mind when they're working, and that um, a, a lot of your job is actually kind of, you correct me if I'm wrong, but kind of giving them the space to, to do that work. Um, is that difficult as, you know, as, you know, a leader uh, in this group, or is that kind of like, how does that, how does that facilitate? Because I, I know of many people who own and run companies who have a lot of difficulty letting go of what their employees are doing, letting it come out of their hands. And how has that evolution, you know, positively or, or negatively in some ways affected SHW? Well, I came, I, I came after I retired from the city of Bridgeport, which was very bureaucratic. And so when I came here, that was the last, I knew it didn't work in terms of management and micromanaging employees. And I knew that was much better if you just trusted people and gave them the, the power and independence to um, do their jobs. So I would have to say our, our skill set is just finding the right people. Um, we find people who are very mission-driven and um, you know, we even had them create their own mission statement so they know when they come here what they want to accomplish and what they want to um, set out and how they want to be recognized. And we, you know, we, we, we just work on a system of constantly growing them and, you know, talking with them. It's not an evaluation, but every year we, every year we do set them down to see, not to evaluate them, but how... how um, they could be better employees, what would make them happy, um, how they would want to grow, where they see themselves. So I think it's just um, providing a platform for leadership. And we, we hope that they, you know, uh, many of them are leaders. I consider all the employees here leaders in what they do. Mm-hmm. Wow. 
going off of your point on lead, on recognition, you know, uh, I the reason I was able to find you guys originally was because I found an article uh, in the Woodbridge newspaper out of um, Connecticut um, that was talking about how you were recognized by the Partnership for Strong Communities for your efforts in addressing and raising awareness to end homelessness. Can you tell me a little bit about where that came from and what that award was for? Um, well, that award was named after Diane Randall, who was the first executive director of the Partnership for Strong Communities, and she was um, she had launched the Reaching Home campaign, which was the campaign to end homelessness by essentially building permanent supportive housing units. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she was a big um, leader in in bringing awareness and money um, to the state for permanent supportive housing. I. You know, I think it was more my kind of a lifetime work I had in this field. Um, I worked for the city of Bridgeport, and I was I was in charge of um, running the Greater Bridgeport Continuum of Care, which later became Opening Doors of Greater Bridgeport, which is um, named after Opening Doors was the federal strategic plan that came out to end uh, homelessness, and that eventually morphed into Opening Doors Fairfield County. So that's how Opening Doors Fairfield County Got came it. about. It was, uh, greater Bridgeport, Greater Norwalk, and Greater Stanford got merged into um, one big collaborative. So, um, you know, I had some. I, I spent um, some time, you know, leading that that collaborative and trying to increase the, the cross sector participation um, and. I think they also recognized the work I did with the 10-year plan to end homelessness, which was bringing the city of Bridgeport and the United Way of Coastal Fairfield County together, um, particularly the mayor's office. This is when the 10-year plan um, was was directed under, um, actually, George, the, um, George W. Bush administration to create 10-year plans to end homelessness, and it really called on having the elected official be involved in the process to mm-hmm. to have the you know the the um, to, to launch it from the top mm-hmm. and so um, I, you know from working from the city I was able to, to merge that effort together and to create the 10-year plan which was pretty successful and was the precursor to the work we were doing today well and I'm sure I don't have to tell you both that there's a lot of changes happening recently in the American politics. Um, and uh, I think a lot of something that's a big on people's mind is our, our cuts to Medicaid and, um, and how that would be affecting or potentially those cuts would affect uh, the way that we operate, the way that our you know, disabled or our poor could, uh, you know, how, what will change in their lives. And from, from your perspective, what will kind of, how will, would those cuts affect your work or, or what's happening right now in the streets of Fairfield or similar neighborhoods in the United States? Well, I mean, it would pr- pretty much be disastrous. I mean, it, we we have come a long way um, in just you know uh, building the systems um, on on what we have, and I think it will just bring our work you know a, a giant step backwards. Mm-hmm. I'm always the optimist yeah. uh, here. I think it's uh, for me a good segue to say that I'm bullish because of the last really eight, ten years of our work. And it's not just here. We don't work in, in isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's from a federal level down to the state level to our state uh, uh, allies and colleagues. that rock stars throughout this system. And that doesn't just doesn't go away. Uh, the folks that the Obama administration sprinkled throughout 
for various agencies and starting the whole opening doors at a federal level were just phenomenal in, in creating the whole system and infrastructure of what we, what we do now. We've got fantastic people at the state level that have been working on this for years that are totally integrated with us. Our Kathy talked about the Partnership for Strong uh, Communities and others, the Connecticut Coalition and Homelessness, just a terrific organization at the state level mm-hmm. that help, help support us. I, that doesn't go away. Uh, with having a new administration uh, mm-hmm. in, 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 in D.C. We're going to figure this out and be resilient. Now, it is, I think, part of the tragedy is that what they're trying to do, and, uh, and uh, uh, thank goodness I think there's a lot of incompetence at the federal level mm-hmm. right now. Of, of, and so much of this with Medicaid reform, it's not that we're going to have drastic cuts here, but it was creating this uh, uh, sort of the, the incubating uh, innovation and, and, and system change. And that takes a long time to happen. That was beginning to happen with Medicaid mm-hmm. Medicare, uh, here in Connecticut and throughout the uh, country, really grappling with how do we use data and have data inform what we do? How do we really drive efficiencies in our, in our system and get beyond this, uh, the system we have now that just uh, compensates the high-level specialists where mm-hmm. the costs keep, keep escalating mm-hmm. and really looking at more of a community-based uh, 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 health system that provides health system for all in an efficient way. That's what we're going to... And uh, and uh, unfortunately, I think for the next couple of years, that might just be put on to hiatus, but I don't think that's going to go away. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're going to continue to be able to figure out to innovate. Uh, but that's really the tragedy, I think, of this administration. Mm-hmm. It's that uh, uh, it's just doing away with all this work to really to be the true, the very best to innovate, to make uh, our, 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 our whole healthcare system something that uh, the world can aspire to instead of something that right now many of the uh, the rest of the world, third world looks down to us as a third world healthcare system. Mm-hmm. Something that may be beneficial from everything that's happening recently is that a lot of people are stepping up and becoming leaders. Uh, either in their very small, in their family unit, in their, in their job, in their, you know, politically, they're trying new things. Um, and how can, you know, from, from whatever tier that, that someone might be operating from, how can someone make a small difference or a big difference in the work that you guys are doing now um, in their communities? Um, what, what's something that I could do when I walk out the store to, to help uh, end homelessness wherever I'm living? Well, I would say first, um, my resources are, we do a good job of effectively using resources, but we could always use more resources. Mm-hmm. So I think... Um, one of the things we do do is is legislate. Um, we advocate for keeping the funding we have in the state level to ensure that we're able to uh, provide the services. Yeah. So quickly on that case, mm-hmm. I would uh, uh, get become a, become a member, which means signing up with the Partnership for Strong Community and the Connecticut Coalition and Homelessness (CCH). So you get their e-blast, uh, and uh, as, as Kathy says, so it can be uh, emailing, calling. Uh, your constituents here locally, which and uh, and 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 federally, that's that's mm-hmm. critical and right, especially now with the state in its uh, uh, in its budget budget mm-hmm. crisis. So that was the uh, partnership support. for strong community, and the second one was and Connecticut Coalition to End Homelessness wow. CCH, which are two of our phenomenal uh, statewide statewide agencies. Excellent. Um, we always have uh, a lot of different initiatives, like we use volunteers. I mean, every year we do a um, Account to count of the homeless, the point in time count, and that happens in all the communities, uh, you know, th- throughout the nation. But you know, in greater in, in, in greater Bridgeport, greater New Haven, uh, 
Greater Stanford, Norwalk, wherever community you are in, and end of, I think it's the last Thursday in January, um, they're always looking for volunteers to go out and count the homeless. And that just helps with our data well, yeah. in terms of really understanding how many homeless do we have out there. So that is another, if you really want to get actively involved, that's another good opportunity. That's so interesting. I never even thought to consider how we count the homeless. <laughs> so that's a volunteer basis, at least in this program. Wow. Yes. Interesting. So you, and I want to finish up, I just have a couple more minutes, but um, I wanted to ask, um, you know, you'd refer to SHW as the backbone um, for opening doors. And uh, on your website, you list uh, four essential elements, which are leadership, facilitation, technology, and communication. Um, I just wanted to ask, you know, you don't have to answer to all of them, but why are these uh, elements so important? You know, what created the, that those four words that, uh, you know, have made it into the backbone of uh, this Open Doors program? We play a, a, a large role down here. It's in partnership with CCH, so they have their own staffs. Okay, great, great. So it's both organizations, but go ahead, Kathy. Well, like I said before, we follow a collective impact model, and there's five, there's five major tenets of a collective impact model. One is that we have a common agenda, and the common agenda that we follow is the Federal Strategic Plan Opening Doors that really, really nicely laid out how we end homelessness. Um, it has you know, five major themes. The, the second tenet is that we have mutually reinforcing activities, which, which is we have subcommittees that are built around these different objectives that were set forth in the opening doors plan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, economic security, creating a responsive homeless system, uh, uh, health and housing stability, matching, you know, uh, having housing being an intervention for, for health care, um, continuous communication. And probably the most important part is having being a backbone, having backbone support, and that's that's where we fill in. So those items are just what we do to fill the backbone uh, function. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, leadership is always important. I mean, it's if you're gonna, uh, it's this isn't gonna happen unless unless we as an organization do do lead this, and it's it's and leadership is complicated, and we, we certainly don't have time for that. That could be a whole other podcast. But uh, we we try to lead a little bit sometimes from behind, and sometimes from from ahead. It's uh, like we talked about before. It's our, our role. I think uh, especially five six years ago, there was more disruption. There was a disruptor in a way that we had to change the system. Mm-hmm. Now we're sort of involving that we have a great system that we like. It's more of an enforcer. Mm-hmm. And uh, okay, we we, sh- we shook things up, and we still got to continue to do that but a lot of this now is saying okay we've got a system we've all bought into let's make sure everyone does play by these these new rules mm-hmm. we've, we've come up with uh, a facilitation is, is critical in this it's not just a top-down uh, leadership we got to facilitate these 125 odd agencies uh, get them get them to all agree on what we're doing and how do we do this continuing better and better um, uh, one of the uh, five uh, uh, real tenets of collective is that is data and, um, and it's, uh, we, we talked about that before, but having technology is a great way of driving that and, mm-hmm. and providing that data and putting that data in the hands of, of all agencies and all case managers throughout, throughout our system. And uh, to make this complex system work, it's got to be both internal communication to all our partners and external uh, communication which is wonderful that you're, you're here today, so we can, we can continue to do that. <laughs> well, Kathy, David, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in the future with you guys. Thank you very much. Okay, that was my interview with David Rich and Kathy Hunter of Supportive Housing Works in Fairfield, Connecticut. 
To learn more about their program and what you can do to make an effort against homelessness, please visit their website. It's shworks.org. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to OPG Inspire. The company I work for, Organizational Performance Group, believes that people and their ability to work together are critical to the success of any initiative. Leaders that inspire and empower others are the ones who can bring change to any situation. Take a look at the way that you are a leader and ask yourself, how can I do this better? How can I make a better world? With that, this is your host, Robert P. Roach, signing off.